Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Phrase of Alland Institute. My name is Emma Congreve and I'm joined here today by Dave Innes, who is Head of Economics at the Joseph Roundtree Foundation. Thank you for joining us, Dave. Thank you for having me on, Emma. And can you just tell us a little bit about the Joseph Roundtree Foundation? Absolutely. So the Joseph Roundtree Foundation, we're a social change organisation working to solve poverty in the UK. Great. Okay, so let's start by just a general question. Um, so what actually do we mean when we talk about poverty? I mean, what, what's the technical definition and what does that actually mean in terms of well, people's lives? The poverty means when your resources are well below your minimum needs. So that means not being able to heat your home, to pay your rent um, or buy the essentials for your children. And it means waking up in the morning facing insecurity um, and it can mean not being able to take part in social activities. Now, when we look at that in the data, we use a definition um, of having what we call an equivalized household income um, below 60% of the median um, looking after housing costs. There's a few important points to unpack there. First, we're talking about households. We're not talking about people. We're looking at the resources and the costs of a household as a whole. Um, and we're taking into account how many adults and children you've got in the household um, because it's more expensive to um, to provide uh, for the needs of households with more children and adults in it. Um, and we're also taking into account the different costs that households face and housing costs are the most important of them. So we look at that for a whole household and look whether they're, they're below this threshold of 60% of the median income or not. Okay. And so before this um, coronavirus crisis started, what roughly what proportions of, of people in the UK we're in poverty. Well, we had a good kind of snapshot um, look at this at the state of our society heading into this crisis, which came out last month um, with the release of household below average income statistics, which are our annual look at the state of society and the state of poverty in our country. Um, and what that showed is that heading into this situation, far too many people were caught by the grip of poverty. Um, when you look across the country, that's 14 and a half million people in poverty in the UK. Um, looking at Scotland in particular, and that's about a quarter of children living in poverty, which is lower than, than the rates for the rest of the UK, but still far too high. Um, and a particularly striking fact is that if you look at the average incomes of the bottom fifth in society, they'd actually fallen for the second year running. So average incomes going into the situation were lower than they had been four mm -hmm. years earlier. Um, and what that shows is we're heading into this situation with far too many people across the country in a very vulnerable situation mm. um, so if you're already in a situation where you're struggling to make ends meet making difficult choices between um, which bills to pay uh, putting food on the table you know school clothes for children then a shock a further kind of hit to your income can put you into a really really mm. um, tough and vulnerable position and it's not been a particularly easy 10 years, has it, for, for households on low income? The impact of austerity has very much hit um, people at the bottom. So, I mean, it does feel to some extent is that 
people were going into the situation in a, in a much more precarious position than anyone would like. But they, that was the kind of the way that, that policy had been um, made over the past 10 years, um, which, you know, is, is something we, we, I'm sure we will be reflecting on um, when we come out the other side of this crisis. So just thinking a bit about um, the sectors and the economic impact, I suppose, of, of what um, this crisis might mean. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, we had a podcast with Sir Harry Burns that talked a bit about some of the differential health impacts on people with lower incomes. But obviously, after the health impacts, the impact of the shutdown of many parts of the economy will be affecting all people, but um, the most vulnerable may be those that are on lower incomes. So what do we know so far about um, who may have been hit hardest by the economic impact of this crisis? Yeah, so I think the first thing to say is that what we know so far largely comes from imperfect data that we know from the real world um, and also lots of um, assumptions. So, so we, we haven't got the um, benefit of having perfect data on exactly kind of what's happened to households at the moment and we won't have that usual data that we kind of look at to say this is exactly what's happened to to families and people across the country for quite a long time but if we think about the biggest sectors of the economy um the biggest low-paid sectors of the economy where there's a big share of people um working and living in poverty that sectors like social care hospitality clean cafes restaurants hotels um and retail and if you think about people working in those sectors, there's really two big groups of people facing very different situations. There's a set of very vital key workers that this situation has shown how crucial their jobs are to society, who have very literally kept us running as a country and kept food going to people, kept vulnerable people looked after, such so people working in social care um, and supermarkets who are still out there working um, and actually putting themselves at greater health risk than other people to keep the country running. Then there's a second group of people largely working in the sorts of face-to-face -face services in hospitality and non-food retail where um, businesses have essentially temporarily shut that that part of the economy is essentially temporarily shut down um, and so for workers in those sectors they're at a huge risk of seeing big falls in their income and being really hardly hit financially um, by this situation and a lot of what the actual impact on those people and families is depends on how businesses respond to this um, so I know we'll come on to talking a bit more about the things that the government have put in place um, shortly but there's a few kind of worrying things that suggest workers in these sectors might not be well protected and that's we've had some kind of rapid survey evidence from researchers at the University of Oxford suggesting that people in more insecure forms of work are more likely to have seen their hours fall and their earnings fall or have been laid off um, entirely and we know that workers in these sectors tend to be in more kinds of insecure work um, and we've also seen um, some ONS data suggesting that um, in particular in these sectors workers are more likely to, see, to have seen a fall in their hours um, which could hit workers really hard as well. Mm -hmm. And 
I mean, the impacts of some of these sectors, particularly in sort of tourism sectors, will differ quite markedly across different parts of the UK. And you know, in Scotland, we are con very concerned about the impact on sort of the Highlands and the Islands, where tourism is, is a really crucial part of, of the labour market. And I'm, I expect that will be true across different parts of, of the UK as well. Absolutely. I think and I think you're right to highlight the specific kinds of places that this could hit really hard because there's been a bit of a narrative out there. So, so there's been a lot of attention recently on um, places with weak economies that have missed out on the benefits of economic growth over the last 10, 20, 30 years, um, which are incredibly important places that we try to strengthen their economy. Um, but so there's been a bit of the and we know that these places are places where there are fewer good jobs um might have seen you know loss of high streets in recent years bigger cuts to local government leaving them in very vulnerable situations but when we look at the economic impact some places it's not necessarily a straightforward link between these other places that are going to be hit hardest in terms of job losses at the moment because a lot depends on the sorts of sectors that people work in locally um so we actually we've funded some work at the moment with the institute for employment studies using vacancy data to look at which which parts of the country are being hit hardest by this in terms of where where we're seeing the biggest falls in vacancies um and there are some quite contrasting stories there that we'll dig into further into the next couple of weeks but kind of what one one really stark thing is the place in the uk that's seen the biggest fall in vacancies so far has been blackpool it's obviously seaside economy relying on those face-to-face -face service jobs um, and tourism in particular. The place that's actually seen the smallest fall in vacancies recently has been Rotherham. So also often seen as a weak economy that we need more good jobs there, but a different kind of jobs more likely to be in distribution that has seen vacancies hold up because mm -hmm. they're those jobs performing a vital role in our economy at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and I suppose as we go on, you know, the, the way the, the impacts on the economy um, might sort of shift and alter um, as it kind of hits greater swathes of the economy. So some of this may, may, may change substantially over time, but there will be sectors like, like tourism and accommodation food that are going to take a long time to, to get back to anything like normal. I mean, tourism you know, people are talking about a whole lost year basically a whole lost season of activity um, but other parts i suppose we we will have to sort of um keep keep an eye on what's happening and, and and try and understand how this is unraveling across the uk because it, it might start um to throw up some surprising things um like that um as we go along absolutely um, I think that ongoing monitoring and working out the best we can know from the data available is going to be absolutely crucial. And also in terms of government policy, it's going to be very difficult to know when we're at a point of moving into economic recovery. There's going to be a lot of uncertainty yeah. around the economic effects for a long time. So retaining that support and also flexibility in, in government policy and the support that's being given to people will be crucial to manage that. Yeah. Well, let's move on to talk a bit about the, the government support that's been put in place. Um, I mean, obviously, we're pretty, we've heard the word unprecedented used many times to describe that the support's been in place. I mean, and it truly, truly has been. 
Um, so things like the, the job retention scheme, income support for the self-employed, and of course, uh, the increases that were put in place for universal credit as well. So we know that these will um, you know, be hugely important for many people. Do you have a feeling yet of whether they're, they're going to be doing enough to protect the most financially vulnerable or other people that are sort of falling through the cracks on this? So we so you're absolutely right we've heard the word unprecedented a lot i think it's worth saying it again because um it is unprecedented and it is a very impressive um and bold set of measures that the government have put in place um so in particular when rishi sunak stood up um, and announced the coronavirus job retention scheme a few weeks ago, which offered businesses, um, which will pay businesses up to 80% of workers' wages um, to furlough them, which means temporarily lay them off as opposed to permanently lay them off. Um, a lot of us watching television were really impressed by the boldness of action that the government has shown. Um, as I said previously, a lot of how much this protects people and offers people true security will depend on how businesses respond um, to what the government has announced. Um, and you know, since since that's been announced, we have seen universal credit um, claimants claims reach unprecedented record levels. Um, and the big worry is who these people are that are now moving on to universal credit and now needing that um, absolutely vital service of the social security system um, in society. Um, and there's a big worry that it's people in more insecure forms of work in sectors where people are more likely to be at the risk of poverty, where businesses have either reduce their hours, which there's no protection offered through the coronavirus job retention scheme, or have decided that it's actually easier for the business to lay them off as opposed to wait to see what happens with the furlough scheme. So it may be that we are seeing the more insecure forms of workers more likely to be hit by this crisis and needing um, that vital social security system. In terms of what's been done for Universal Credit, that £20 increase in the standard allowance was absolutely welcome, but it was also very long overdue because we've seen um, the amount of support in, get provided to, to people and families via Universal Credit falling in real terms in recent years. So that extra £20 will do a lot to help families. It's still not enough to give them security and it should have been in place beforehand. The other really key point is that the government haven't yet fixed the problem that people um, complain most about with the universal credit system, which is the five-week wait to, to get your first payment, which leaves people with very little kind of savings and resources to rely on to, to cope for this situation, relying on a kind of system of um, advances and loans, which can put them into further financial hardship further down the line. Mm. Okay, so so there was a lot, a lot of support is, is sort of come about as, as a result of this crisis. The minimum level we know under universal credit that's available, um, you know, we, we've obviously still got concerns that it, it's not enough to kind of to get by on and to live that a kind of, um, you know, have a good quality of living. For some people, this may be a very temporary situation, but we, we don't yet know that. And I suppose with the with the job retention scheme, even for those who are able to, as employers are, um, you know, using it and able to access it, if it's just eighty percent of their earnings that are going to get through the scheme, 
80% of earnings are already quite low, you know, um, potentially your outgoings are already more than your, your earnings um, anyway. Um, so that, that is going to be quite tough to deal with. And, and added to that, you know, there, there are reasons why, why costs may have increased during this crisis. I mean, people hadn't spent more time at home. So heating, obviously, bills um, yeah, may go yeah. up. It's been more difficult to find um, food from your kind of normal places you usually go, although that is starting to ease. So there are quite a lot of, of concerns for people, particularly on, you know, you just don't have enough money to get by and, and how they will be coping through this period. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agree on all of those points. OK, so just starting to think forward a little bit. Um, so at some point, um, we will hopefully be able to start unwinding some of the supports the economy as the kind of risks, the health risks start to subside. Um, but obviously it's going to take the economy a long time to sort of get back on its feet and support will probably need to be kept in place for some parts of the economy for some time. You mentioned this earlier. So when we're thinking about that, it's not just obviously thinking about the economy as some sort of separate, you know, um, beast that we need to feed and look after. It, it's actually also about the people that, that um, depend on, on, on the system there. So what do we need to think about in terms of um, ensuring that people on the low, low incomes in society have the best chance of getting through this as we start to see the economy um, starting to wind up again? Absolutely. So I think the point about the uncertainty um, that we'll have um, in terms of as we move from managing the health, health, the health, um, the health outbreak to situation where we're looking towards economic recovery, I think in, that that is a really key point. To think in practice, it's going to be difficult to know when we're tra transitioning from one to the other. So we're having we're going to have yeah, quite a long period of uncertainty, I think. And I think what that means for um, policy and the kind of support that's been provided through the job retention scheme is that there's going to need to be quite a lot of flexibility in how this is unwound um, so we need to avoid a sudden stop to the support that's been provided to people and we need to get something that's much more flexible that helps people get back into work as quickly as possible but also means that if the jobs aren't there at a certain point in time they've still got that financial security and aren't going to be put into hardship I think another really important point is that there are some specific groups that in terms of um, the labour market are going to have been hit hardest by this and will need some special support and people who would have been moving into the labour market this year, so reaching 18 or reaching 21, are at huge risk of seeing problems um, across the next that will last for them um, across the next 10 15 years if they can't move into the labor market quickly um, in the next year or two so a real emphasis in policy on youth employment um, would be really helpful um, and the last thing is that the support that has been provided through the universal credit system is at the moment announced as a temporary measure for this year um, it's absolutely vital that that extra £20 a week, um, which does provide families with that little bit extra security, is retained um, in the long term after this as well. Okay. And I guess we can try and end on a bit of an optimistic note because, you know, this crisis um, 
has been a bit has been a total shock to the system um, and it has made people pause and start to rethink okay so how do we respond to future crises and how do we rebuild an economy that, that is potentially fairer um, and and helps build resilience and, and ensure that we sort of function as a, as a as a better society after this so so what 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 does that look like but but also crucially you know how do we get there because thinking or we can um, have a more inclusive economy in the future is one thing, but actually making it happen is quite a different thing. So have you got any kind of thoughts and reflections on, on what that future um, might be? Absolutely. So I think you're completely right that there are many things that were perhaps, certainly in the policy world, kind of received wisdoms before we went into this that have been hugely called into question by the situation that we found us in. And there really does seem to be an opportunity to, you know, as we move away from the, the health part of this situation, looking at the economic recovery, to think about, well, what is it that we're aiming to recover towards? Because if we look at um, what I was talking about earlier in terms of the state of society heading into um, the health outbreak, you know, if that was the high point of society, it's not good enough. And we've got to aim to get some somewhere better after this. Um, I think I'd highlight three kind of really key points that I think, you know, this situation opens up for having another look at. Um, and the first of these is the amount of security we provide to people in work. Um, and there's been a big policy emphasis in recent years on making it as easy as possible to get into work, but also giving businesses kind of control over contracts and ability to um, move people out of work if that suits them as well. And I think we need to have a hard look at the amount of security we provide to people. And I think the value um, that kind of the, the, the crisis has drawn to the vital work being provided by people in social care delivery drivers people in key services really shows that we need to recognize that um, with more security and more value in the labor market the second thing is given the kind of huge government support to businesses which is completely needed right now I think there's an opportunity the other side of this to look at the role of businesses and what we expect of businesses in society and the role that they can play. Um, and we know that there are kind of certain weaknesses in the economy to do with the amount of people getting um, in work training, to do with business investment, um, that looking at a different sort of relationship between government and business could look to improve. Um, that would be my second one. And the third thing is that the other thing we've absolutely learned is that there are many of us across society who could be pulled into, into poverty at any one moment. Um, and we've absolutely learned that the social security system is not something that props up a few of us. It's something that needs to be a service that we can all rely on. So it's absolutely crucial that the other side of this we strengthen that system so that it plays that vital role that we need it to in society yeah and um, obviously in scotland um the government up here um will have a role in this as well as well as uk government and indeed um sort of local government across the country um and one reflection that i know um those at jrf will will also, will also um, agree with is that including as many people as possible in these discussions about 
what happens next will be quite um, critical. You need that consensus in order to move forward in a different direction, as well as um, a very good kind of um, a good policy machinery as well. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Dave. That has been a really interesting discussion, and hopefully, we'll be able to get you back sometime um, just to um, as as the months go on and, and we'll see where we where we get to. Um, but thank you very much for your insights and for your time today. Thank you, Emma.